being able to take the living word of God and literally put that message into a film is one of the most spiritually fulfilling things I think I've ever done. Whatever your goal is, often we tell ourselves, oh, the odds are infinitely small that it's basically zero, but it's not zero. And so why not be that person? Find a team, find a partner, someone to do it with. There's so many times on set where one of us is like completely stressed out and like wants to sit in a corner and die. And the other person is like able to pick up the slack and it goes both ways. The best way to share the gospel now is to live it out and just be an example and you know, lead as a servant, do the things that nobody else wants to do. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode. This is the Created to Create podcast, and I'm your host, Ben Gluntz. We're created by God to create, and we believe that's for a purpose. What's that purpose? Well, that's what we're here to talk about today. We're recording from Huntington Beach, California, and I'm with my good friends, Landon and Luke. Thank you. We really appreciate it. This is our first opportunity to really dive into what we do with someone. We haven't had the opportunity to go through all these questions ever, so this is just really exciting for us to do for the first time. Yeah, we've definitely we've definitely thought about it, you know, but we didn't really know when it would happen, but um, you know, opportunity came, so it seemed like the right time. Um, David Kushner, Daylight, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that project definitely changed our trajectory. Um, not quite in the way we anticipated though. So initially after that project came out, things felt as they were really ramping up. Like we did start to get some smaller leads relatively quick after that coming in. Um, everyone in our immediate circle was excited for us. And I also had a lot of like old friends from high school and growing up just like text me out of nowhere like, oh my gosh, you directed this video. Like that was like a pretty cool feeling like to be appreciated as an artist in that way. Um, obviously that stuff died out relatively quickly after that. But what we weren't uh, expecting is the kind of leads that we got from that project. So we took on about six solid leads directly because of that video over the last eight months, um, which was great, but not nearly as much as we anticipated. What we found out is the artists reaching out to us were not typical artists. And I think, Luke, you can elaborate on that. No, definitely. I mean, I remember it was only, you know, on set with uh, with David when we were shooting Daylight, um, Ben Freilander an upper guy at Virgin Music was there. He showed up on set, he hung out and literally like a week later, you know, we were getting offers to shoot for ex ambassadors and Jamie Miller and, and these guys. And we we're like, wow, that that's incredible. Um, you know, I would say there were two surprises or two, two facets to that video that are interesting to me. The first being because it was our first time doing a music video with a guy that, you know, had some decent, you know, yeah. stuff going yeah. for him. I don't think we truly appreciated how much, um, you know, how many eyes were on that project. Because before that, I think the most views we'd gotten on a video were like 100, 200K. And to be honest, I think most of those were bought. I'm bored anyway. Yeah. <laughs> those were. Really I don't people. even know. Is that something that happens in the space? I mean, people buy views? For a lot of the artists shot for, you know, you see, you know, 120,000 views on the yeah. first day and then uh, maybe another 20 over the next <laughs> few weeks. So it's a little <laughs> suspicious. So the ratio there doesn't really add up. Yeah. Who knows what the actual number was? But, you know, we, we didn't really have a true good appreciation for it. We were like, oh, yeah, it was a good video. It did did 100, 100 million views. Um, and then it, more recently, um, I think at least I've kind of come to understand how big of a deal that was because, I mean, I saw, you know, Kid Leroy has, yeah. you know, had a bunch of music come out and some songs that are really doing well. And, you know, I don't, like it, in two weeks, I hadn't even hit like a, a million views. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's really surprising. And, and also even I've seen a lot of music that has gotten almost the same amount of listens as Daylight did in the same amount of time. But the music video just doesn't really get a lot of attention. So I do wonder, you know, if, if our music video did play more of a significant role mm. in that than I originally gave credit for. Originally, I'm like, oh, yeah, everyone loves a song. So 
they're watching the video by default. But I do wonder now, you know, did how much of that was because people were really connecting with the video. So I, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is interesting to think about definitely. Cause I think we all think that once, like you said, when someone likes a song, then they go to see the visuals. But in today's day and age, like everybody's kind of like on TikTok, they're yeah. like streaming things like videos and, and whatnot. And that is funny. It the did set could go the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did set a ridiculously high standard, though, for us of what a oh, successful sure. video yeah. was. You yeah. know, like if it does if you know if it's under ten million, it's yeah. like a you know child's play. But, yeah. <laughs> but well, I was going to ask you actually, um, like that's a lot of views to get, right? Like you guys are admitting that. Um, did that create sort of this view on you and your company? Uh, did people assume like a larger amount of success, even just from viewing that video and the success that it had? Yeah. So I think some people um, do assume that we have gotten like a good amount of success because of that. But mm -hmm. I think realistically, and it's kind of a misconception, uh, the views on music videos are almost entirely dependent on the song's reach. Got it. So like if you if you ever see like a director claiming like they they earned all these views on their project it's <laughs> yeah, kind of cringy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we don't like we tell people how many views not to say how many views our video earned but to say we were entrusted by a project of this size hmm. um and yeah that, that's exactly <laughs> and <you> right through. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly right is is yeah is that it means we were trusted with such a high caliber yeah. of project but yeah i mean to to be fair yeah i think we whenever we look at videos that got a lot of views we don't necessarily think oh it's because the music video is crazy unless everyone's talking about the music video yeah. like you know wap or something but <laughs> you know that was they, a wild they probably contributed to those views for sure most <laughs> likely probably <did. laughs> and with that kind of music video you're getting like positive views and negative views which yeah, so when it comes to views it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah you either love it or hate it but you're still watching it so 100 <laughs> what was it dude what was the creative energy like on on set for that uh i'd say the energy on that set was like tangible yeah. it was our biggest budget at the time it was the longest production we had done um it was the most fulfilling creatively we'd had the opportunity to do um and we had an incredible crew um like our steady cam uh zach i'd consider him the master shifu of steady cam <laughs> operators he's a wizard <laughs> That's true. um why, why is that like what does he what does he do differently he's a movement designer is what really? we call him. <laughs> you know, like when we when we I mean, think I about, can see it. I know how steady cams work, yeah. and I, I've seen it in action. But you know, when we think about like you know a whole image, you know, probably it comes down to the last one or two percent where we're actually thinking about the movement of a shot, unless the movement is really you know key to that shot. If if we haven't really decided if it's just something you know arbitrary, we kind of like to leave it up to them because we know that all he's doing is thinking all day, every day about movement. So mm -hmm. that, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how important is kind of like the, the breaking up of duties on set when it comes to like specific tasks like that? I would say that it's, I, I don't want to use the word necessary because, you know, something that goes into guerrilla filmmaking is, you know, building your, your ideas around what you have access to. So yeah. I, I would say that you don't necessarily have to split up roles if, if the project doesn't call for it. Um, but if you know, you have the option to split up roles, then you can certainly, you know, make your ideas bigger mm. where you know you can. So um, I know a lot of people will say, oh, it's it's so important to split up roles, like I can't do everything myself, but there are certain ideas you can do by yourself. And when you're starting out, that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, where do you where do you guys draw that line and how do you roll that into your philosophy when it comes to filmmaking? Definitely for us, we 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 start every whenever we're building out our crew and our ideas, we start at zero. We start with just me and Landon. We we know we're gonna be there. Yeah. And then we look at the treatment and we look at what it absolutely calls for. Um, we don't necessarily get gaffers or grips or any of those guys unless we're doing real big 
light setups, you know, for, you know, for Dean Lewis, we did a big moon box on a mm. condor, you know, with 12 Skype panels in there or whatever. And, you know, we weren't going to do that ourselves, but, no. um, <laughs> you know, I think it really comes down to that uh, only getting what you need so that way you can get more on the screen. And that just kind of is part of our guerrilla filmmaking philosophy in general. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think like if you look at everything black and white, you're never going to truly be productive and get stuff done anyway. No, 100%. But you know, there's a lot of people out there. They're like, oh, okay, we're doing a music video. All right, let's get art department, you know, uh, first AD. Um, oh, we have a bunch of extras. All right, second, second. Let's get, you know, a gaffer grip because we need lights, right? But, yeah. no, but yeah. no, you don't You don't need all these guys. And um, I, I really think you can just, you can just stretch your budget so much farther the more you can do yourself and you can do a lot more yourself than people really give people credit for mm. um i think people really underestimate they they think they need these things but if they just spend a little bit more time learning um i think they could probably achieve mm. most of that well i was going to say yeah. you have to be willing i think to sure. do that yeah. too, which some people aren't That's I, true. I think it's a fine line as you grow in complexity of sets of which hats to wear and which ones to give off to professionals. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've done as we have gotten more leads and just more happening as we've given off some jobs that we started off doing ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a really crucial part uh, to that process. 100%. There's, yeah. there's been a few times where we're like, okay, next time we, we're getting this person to do this. Like yeah. just for example, whenever we were shooting, we shot this one video for Dean Lewis and we were in a back lot and we, it was like three in the morning and we had a bunch of extras there and we needed to get them like, you know, walking in the city and like driving their cars around Yeah. and <laughs> coordinating that while trying to do everything else was a nightmare. And so, you know, basically we kind of decided next time, anytime we have a bunch of extras we need <laughs> to give direction to, you know, we'll get a second second because I, I really think it. It, it could really help in those situations. But yeah. that being said, a lot of people will be like, oh, there's four extras on set. Okay, have to get a second second. But that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, definitely not for us. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree it's kind of like easier to build from nothing rather than like have this whole structure and then kind of deconstruct that? I would say it's more difficult because you almost have to try think in a really creative way from the ground up how you can not use these things because obviously if you have all these people you can it's do almost anything right yeah <laughs> you know you the system in a, place if but you know if you need something lit and you don't exactly know how you can how you're going to light it then you know you can just hire the, a lighting crew and you'll have mm -hmm. it covered you can figure it out on set but what we're doing is when we write the treatment we are we are thinking how are we going to light this mm. so that way we know if we need a lighting crew, so that way we know if we need to tone this treatment down a little bit to keep it wow. in the budget. So, I mean, by the time we've written a treatment, it, I feel like it probably takes us a little longer than other directors to write treatments, but it's because we've literally found all the locations. We know how we're going to light wow. everything. We know we've basically priced everything out um, exactly how it's going to come out. Um, and that's the only way that you can get as much as you can on the screen. Otherwise, you're just relying on your margin. And mm. when you're relying on margin, usually, you know, either you don't profit anything or more likely a lot of production companies that, you know, there's just a lot left over and it's fine, but yeah. the project isn't as, as good as it could be. Now, obviously, when you get into bigger budgets, you know, like six figure, multiple six yep. figure budgets, those ideologies change a little bit. Have but, a little um, extra change to spare. <laughs> yeah, but when you're in the you know small five figure budgets, especially under five figure budgets, if you're working with, I mean, you can do a lot with a thousand dollars if you really cater your idea around that budget. Um, and we have we've we've done things that people thought. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'll go into that story later. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear about it. I mean, it sounds like yeah. there's something interesting there, and. Um, yeah, I mean, $1,000 to me isn't a lot of money when it comes to filmmaking. Right. So that'd no, be interesting to hear. But it sounds like you put a lot of thought and effort into pre-production. Like that's like your bread and butter is making sure you have everything before you even get started. That's a good point. It's not something I've really ever 
I thought about there are a lot of guys out there that are like oh pre-production is everything <laughs> like it's the biggest part um but i guess i didn't really give enough credit to it but it probably is if nothing else the the treatment i mean you, yeah. you guys put a lot of effort in the treatment so that says a lot we start every treatment and we get about an hour and we're like how are we gonna finish this because <laughs> we just it always just seems so like to get from a to b it always we we cannot conceive a path on how we're going to get there yeah and then a few hours later we always end up there and we're like huh this is great, yeah. <laughs> great. just a couple of days ago we we're like on the phone like sitting there like we just don't know what to do i'm like all right let's just sleep on it yeah <laughs> like like and minutes we wake, we wake up the next day and it's like a light bulb turned on yeah it's like i can see it now oh i'm sure dude <laughs> honestly like, i can see i can see that because <laughs> sleeping on ideas and sleeping on like yeah thoughts is probably one of my biggest things that i do and <laughs> yeah, it always seriously. comes out on the positive end of things it's really not uncommon for us to just both be at our desks over the phone trying to write the treatment and just you know we're maybe talking for an hour and 40 minutes of that is just silence just <laughs> just, just thinking just just willing something to come yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. just looking talking is whatever. overrated <laughs> yeah yeah who needs it <laughs> so, so do you guys like work well together then like as a, a family unit, one could say, uh, brothers-in-law. Uh, yes. You work well together. We are brothers-in-laws, which yeah. uh, you can do the math. Is it brothers-in-law or brother-in-laws? I never quite. I think the first word is not plural. I think brothers, it's brother-in-laws. Brother-in-laws. Or I, actually, it's, no, it's I think it is brothers-in-law. Brothers-in-law. Because you are both your brothers. I think, I think it, you're right. It depends. If you're talking about both of us, it's brothers-in-law. If you're talking about me, he's my brother-in-law. True. Yeah. So I think it is... Yeah. No, but, but you're right. It's, it's not to get on a tangent, but it's definitely not what I said. <laughs> what, what I said is never the right answer, actually. Oh my God. <laughs> but no, you're right, brother. We are brothers in law. So how, law, is, that? how is that? Like working together and collaborating creatively. You know, I would say that um, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say we really see each other as in laws per okay. se, because. To be honest, the fact that we're working together and happen to be brother-in-laws and happen to be friends really is coincidence. Mm. Um, Why is that? Well, just we we just were became really good friends on our own, but it wasn't anything we were like trying to make happen. Okay, okay, <laughs> it okay. Kinda, yeah. It just kind of did happen. You um, just happened to meet his sister <laughs> and fall in love. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I think I, I do think though that philosophies around working with family and working with friends is pretty similar. It's pretty much the same. And I think, you know, it, it, it can be really great, but you have to be with the right kind of people for sure. Mm -hmm. You have to know, you know, who they are. Um, the most important thing is setting as many expectations upfront as possible because, you know, like expectations not being fulfilled is the source of almost all conflict. Mm -hmm. um, now, the part where I say you need to be sure you're with the kind of person, you know, you got to know what kind of person they are. That's generally because there's a lot of people where even if you do set expectations, they, you know, there's still conflict that arises, even if mm -hmm. those expectations yeah. are met. Yeah, so yeah. you have to be with someone that has a lot of integrity and is trustworthy and that you can rely on. Mm -hmm. um, but if they fulfill those things and you put a lot of effort into you know, creating those expectations, I think it can take you so much farther than otherwise. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is yeah. like, what, your third attempt at this? this it's true. No, no, that, that's a good point. That is a good point. Third I, time's uh, a charm. Yes, third time's a charm. Yeah, the first time um, was with an old friend from high school. Um, you know, I would say that a lot of the things I just said were learned experience. So I, I can't say I maybe went into those things with those thoughts maybe the second one but it's yeah its own thing um but i think we're right. all i think we're all born with a certain level of like intuition and discernment i think those are definitely gifts from god but i i think the rest of it just comes from like working learning and like growing knowledge and wisdom from that as well definitely, definitely. <laughs> you can't you can't necessarily know everything and know every situation and so experiencing it is like the greatest way to learn and, and grow. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That's cool though. Um, what is, uh, what is like the key, like center point of like building your business? What was your like philosophy in, in doing so? What are the things you kind of live by? 
Um, so I'd say we kind of built our company on like about three different um, things. Uh, our tagline is disturb the traditional. Okay. Um, and we go about that in a few ways. Um, first of all, we want to bring the kingdom of God to the film industry. Uh, not only in our final products, but also on our physical sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to uh, implement the gospel into secularly packaged uh, products. Like, I think I, I just see a need for that. You know, there's a lot of um, amazing period films um, from like biblical times, but um, I want to see something that doesn't have Jesus involved um, on the outside. Um, but then when you really get into it, it's just full of the gospel mm. and full of modern takes uh, on the, the scriptures. How do you do that? Um, That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, I, I really love taking biblical stories and putting them into our work um, in whatever ways I can. We aim to implement the gospel into all areas of our productions mm-hmm. um, in the final product, but also in our physical productions and on set. Um, For the projects that allow it, I love writing treatments uh, with modern takes of biblical stories in them, being able to take the living word of God and literally put that message into a film is one of the most spiritually fulfilling things I think I've ever done. Um, It's an incredible honor to be able to worship the creator in that way with our art. Um, But obviously some of our projects uh, don't leave space in the actual product um, for that. But on set though, as, stress, as stressful as it can be, we aim to create a space of um, just peace and collaboration um, and freedom of expression. You know, I love when crew members have ideas for things we should do and it's just a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say that we live in a post-Christian society here in the U.S. and most people you meet have a history with the church or have had experiences with Christians in their life and have moved on from that. So I think the best way to share the gospel now is to live it out and just be an example, mm. um, you know, lead as a servant on set and just do the things that like nobody else wants mm. to do. So it's less like an, an evangelistic take and it's more of a, Hey, like this is how I'm called to live as a believer. So I'm going to live that way. And then when there are conversations that are brought up because of that, then I have an opportunity to evangelize and like share a gospel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we have, um, despite the fact that, you know, Daylight, for example, um, it was interesting because, you know, we'd worked with David once before. We knew he was a believer, but we didn't necessarily know how he wanted to represent that to the public. And so we wanted to incorporate it. We felt like there was a good opportunity based on the, the song. Um, but we didn't exactly know how to package that. And so we did it in a way where it was kind of both. It it was like, it was wrapped in a secular package, but it it certainly wasn't for anyone that I guess knew, uh, what our references were. Um, and so in the end it, we, we felt like it was pretty subtle, which was great, but the feedback on the video, like all the comments were totally like talking about the content from a biblical standpoint and like, right. like all of them. And, and so that was really interesting because clearly that message came through pretty, pretty directly, even though it was not at all like yeah. blatant. Yeah. Yeah, not <laughs> at all. I mean, no names dropped, no like blatant no. Uh, yeah. imagery or, or even wardrobe that like, Mm-mm. it was merely just kind of composition and yeah. maybe an uh, I mean, there were some call it, a resemblance of another scene. Or... There were some references, but yeah. they they were pretty far fetched. Like, I mean, you know, we, the burning bush, you yeah. know, and he's shaking hands with a burning man, re- yeah. referenced of Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't exactly like obvious, but you know, it came came. Through. There was a guy on YouTube like doing like a review like of the video, and when he got Reaction. to that part, he was like, "He's making a deal with the devil right now." <laughs> <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> our art is subjective, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. Um, but I mean, that project was yeah wildly successful, and it's cool to see kind of I guess um, I don't know uh, a vision that you had as artists kind of come to life and then be received well, like across the board. Yeah. But how was that like? 
what was the feeling you got from that? Well, I think first, you know, earlier you asked like, what was the energy like on set? I would say that I was, I was like, I think we were both pretty nervous. <laughs> I was pretty oh, yeah. like terrified the whole time. Yeah. Mainly because, you know, for a lot of this, you know, come up, basically every treatment we've written has been so scary. Like it's involved so many things that we've never done. Um, so many variables that aren't exactly under our control, like really stretching it and really so many things could have gone wrong the whole time. And so I think we were just relieved at the end when everything worked out and we were just so stoked. Um, and then after, yeah, I mean, of course it was super fulfilling. Yeah. You talked about, um, the imagery and how you have specific visions for wanting to implement the gospel in imagery and storyline. Um, on the other side of things, do you have boundaries that you set on types of projects that you accept when it comes to secular projects? Because a lot of people would kind of like maybe freak out at certain projects that you, they get like approached by. How do you handle that? You know, I would say that, um, a lot of we Christians, I'll say, not yeah, no, 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 you're Christians. Right. You're right. I would say that we haven't sat down together and be like, all right, here's the line. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I think we kind of both have a similar intuition as to what doesn't necessarily feel right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously on one end, it's it's pretty obvious. You know, no big booty hose on yeah. supercars. <laughs> <you know? laughs> that, that's certainly a, <laughs> uh, that's certainly uh, you know. No boats and hose. No boats and hose. I mean, look, what's my favorite music video? <laughs> I think there's two kinds of videos that we just try and stay away from because they're like the cliche. There's the rapping in front of the car, like hip hop videos. And then more in our style, there's the videos of like the guy and the girl and they're in love and then they're mad at each other. And then they're in love and again uh, throughout the video. And I feel like, 90% of music videos are that story. And it's just something we see like so often. So we just really try and stay away from that. <laughs> so it's partly because of just like maybe the nature of the story, but it's also like, it sounds to me like you guys have like this creative standard or, or this creative um, like vision that you want to bring into your projects. And those simple like stories kind of are just like repetitive and not really, they don't allow you to like, fully exercise your creative muscle yeah 100 i mean i can't help i mean i have a hard time imagining when directors have written treatments for that that they felt like this was something you know different or groundbreaking mm, yeah um i mean maybe literally groundbreaking but, <laughs> maybe, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> but um but no i i think you know some some a philosophy that we've had for our growth and just for us as a company is really for the most part putting profit and money at at the last line of um of priorities um and so we're just a hundred percent growth focused mm -hmm. and that means that there isn't any treatment that we should ever write that we feel complacent about you know everything should be pushing our limits creatively physically um technically um, and so that's definitely something that is a huge priority. And I definitely think has contributed to our growth because I think a lot of people are out there, not necessarily with growth on their mind and to them, it's just another project. It's mm -hmm. just another paycheck and it's nothing that really stands out to them. It's like, Oh, it's not Drake. So I'm just going to, you know, write a whatever treatment and yeah. get this over with, collect a check. Um, but that's definitely not how we operate. Yeah. Yeah. Each project kind of goes through a filter of clout, budget, and creative. And if it doesn't meet those, then we pretty much go to the next one. Kind of like that thing where it's like, you want the job done like fast, good, or cheap. And you try to select all three in one yeah. like ticks down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. We kind of run it through the same filter to make sure each project is really doing something for us. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not just creating something below our level that's not going to achieve anything for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something in a conversation we had before this, Luke, where you were talking about, um, like, essentially, when you're growing a business, 
you know, never necessarily work for free, but you work on projects that progress the goal that you have for your business. Yeah. That, yeah. that kind of sounds like what he's talking about. No, no, you're right. So, you know, there's this, you've heard of, you know, there's a big debate out there on, you know, you got a million guys saying, oh, you know, work for free, work for experience. Mm, yeah, a lot yeah. of guys saying, you know, never work for free, know your value. You Stand know, your ground. Get paid what you're worth, yeah. you know, all that. Which um, is true to a certain extent. Maybe. It depends <laughs> if you're worth anything, right? Well, that's what that's. Well, yeah. the worth that's, doesn't that's have to be goal. financial worth. It could be. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so that's what I'm getting. So, I, I would your say your value changes over time. No, no, no. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, I guess yeah. Well, what I would say is it's not necessarily either of those things. It's it's um, always work for value, and when you're in the growth stage, rarely does that come in form of money. Mm. I would say. Most of the time you're getting paid in the growth stage, it's probably not a project that's pushing you to your limits. Because if it was, um, then why would they hire you instead of the guy that's been in that position multiple times? already done it, yeah. Right. And so if it's, for them, if it's a low paying job, but they know that it's a great opportunity, you know, they know they have that value and therefore it should be worth that for you to do that. If it progresses your your career. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would say is, is always work for value and don't necessarily worry about the money. Um, I, I strongly suggest finding another method to make money mm -hmm. while you do this because it will really hold you back in your thinking and your decisions yep. and what projects you you sign up for. Um, it could still be in the film industry that you make your money. It could be first day seeing while you want to aspire as a DP. Um, but I definitely think it's a great idea to separate those things because it really changes your perspective and your decision making yeah yeah i agree i mean it makes a lot of sense um i think uh i think people just get excited when they're building and growing and they they kind of like hear of other people making money and then they're just like oh well i want to make that amount of money like i want to be successful and you know so i'll just start charging that and uh, what I've come to find out is there are people that will pay that amount of money for a very wide range of skill sets or, or a very wide range of like, like how good you are at something. Um, but when you're talking about like even like niching down and getting really good at one thing, the clients know who they're hiring. And as much as they look at skill as well, they're also like hiring people that they know and trust and have built a relationship with. And sometimes the best way to build that relationship is like showing your skill set and not worrying about necessarily like the money coming in. 100%. You know, uh, too many people out there are too quick to take the, the tiny little, you know, personal sized pie and eat half of it. Yeah. And I would rather have a smaller slice of a much bigger pie. Yeah. That, that's our theory. Like, let's. Let's bake this pie as big as we can before we start eating it. You know, yeah. that's, that's the goal. <laughs> Fatten the pig. <laughs> I, I, I would like a pie that's the size of this house and then get a tiny sliver of that pie. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, eat a whole little personal size pie. There's a lot of pie on the big, on the yeah. big pie. <laughs> and that's, that's the thought. <laughs> How do you prepare yourself for that, like those opportunities to kind of grow that? You talk about luck versus preparation. Um, how do you like put yourself in a position to take advantage of those opportunities? Um, I'd say we're always ready to take advantage of the um, opportunities that come our way because of the team that we've built around us. Okay. Um, I, you know, we have an incredible producer, Yonel, um, as well as multiple talented crew members that uh, we've developed relationships with and they're familiar with our workflow that we bring on to almost every set. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just having a trusted community of friends to work with, learn from, and just celebrate with is just, um, you know, what gets me up in the morning and makes me want to create. Yeah. And I would say that that you can think of opportunities like like birds flying by. They're always flying by. and But if you're not ready to catch one, you're not going to get that opportunity. And so, you know, we've put a lot of effort, a lot of countless hours into preparing our skill sets to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And one thing we did know starting out is that we weren't going to have budgets to get higher colorists. We weren't going to have budgets to hire editors. We we're going to have budgets to hire gaffers and, and red lights and 
and all these things. And so we basically ahead of time took the initiative to learn all those things to the best of our ability um, and put ourselves in the most capable position to take any budget and be able to maximize it. And so whenever we did see that opportunity come by, these early opportunities, we were fully ready. We jumped straight on it. And if we hadn't done everything we had up to that point, it would have gone right by us. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. And I'd say it was somewhat luck. Uh, like the question, like when we came out to LA, we were both interested in doing more like DP side of things. Mm. Um, and after like a year or so of that, we just were kind of not being creatively fulfilled. The projects just weren't very cool yeah. <laughs> that we were doing. And it was at that point, it was like, um, you know, why should we try and climb the ladder when we can just own the ladder? Mm, <laughs> and having all that experience um, with on the camera side of things and the light side of things, like you just said, um, has helped us be ready to catch those opportunities as they come by. Yeah. How do you like, that's interesting, like creating the ladder. How do you handle like other people in the industry that are kind of like your peers and whatnot when doing so? Um people that maybe would expect you to just be a part of the process of climbing the ladder? You know, we don't really, um, I'd say we're a little bit in a bubble to be okay. honest, because it's, it's very rare that we go in other people's sets. I personally, I've only been on two other sets that weren't. Since you own. started, since you started the business? Just ever. Ever. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, so we're fully just kind of, figured it out as on our own pretty yeah, much yeah. as far as exactly you know what we need so you know i definitely didn't ever feel like that pressure of of going against the grain i was more just doing what you know we were just doing what felt logical to do yeah um but i did i definitely did know that you know a lot of people will say oh if you want to be a dp you know you gotta work your way up the camera department, you know, eventually you get to first AC, you know, yeah. big deal. And then, you know, maybe second unit DP or whatever. Um, and then other people say, Oh, you know, you start as a DP, but on really low productions and work your way up as a DP, a lot less people do that. Um, and even just on the DP front, I think we were feeling a little boxed in in general. It just felt like, we just want more creative freedom. So we started directing and DPing together at the same time, which wouldn't work for most people and just decided, you know what, we can just be our own production company and just, we will be the ladder instead of climbing it and mm -hmm. we'll just increase it as high as we can. And yeah. we're at the point now where, you know, we have a feature film on our plate. Oh, which, really? That's yeah. Awesome. So <laughs> that's why right now, you know, a lot of, our project's a little bit more far and few between because mm -hmm. we're trying to put a lot of effort and emphasis on that yeah. while still... It's a pretty know, big project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, But we also don't want to lose some of the bigger projects that come our way. So we're being selective with the music video projects yeah. we take on while we work on the narrative project. And then we're hoping mid next year when we get a lot of the production done on the feature film that we're going to kind of explode the music video and commercial side of things by bringing on new directors, mm -hmm. bringing on other DPs, making it a little bit bigger of a production company. Yeah. Um, which right now... One where you don't necessarily have your hand in like every yeah. single yeah. aspect. And I mean, right now, you know, we're eager for, we're eager to do so many things. Um, but right now, I think we're really feeling cold to that narrative side of things and we want to do that and the opportunity, you know, came by. So, you know, we, we decided to, to say, you know what, we're... We may not be like, you know, as ready as I would have imagined we would have been before that, yeah. but um, we're taking it and we're doing it. That's awesome. Why do you feel called to narrative films? I think um, a similar concept that we've been talking about, but, you know, we've been doing all these music videos, learning about the music industry. Um, and, you know, it turns out that um, huge budgets aren't going around that often with music videos. Um, they are going around pretty often and you can make a decent amount of money and achieve quite a lot with that. But um, like even after like the daylight video, what we were expecting more and we didn't really get the return we were expecting. Mm -hmm. We think, you know, with a feature film, there's, there's no cap. The sky's the limit on that, you know? Um, and I think that's really what's just drawing us mm -hmm. towards that is to experience um, that kind of freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say like, 
were definitely like super drawn to narrative. I think every filmmaker goes through an evolution, you know, yeah. start out with all natural light, camera, eventually they work up to a GoPros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. GoPros even, you know, that's how we both started. But I think eventually, you know, you, you work to get up to like a camera on a gimbal and you basically think you know everything. I certainly did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know what a small piece of filmmaking that was. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you work your way up, you get to the music video side. The music videos, it's like, doesn't necessarily have to be linear, which makes things a lot easier because you yeah. can always cut stuff out or whatever. It can be more expressive. One thing that's great about music videos is you get to experiment a lot. Um, and then the commercial space is kind of a little bit more of a step, usually in terms of continuity and you know, things has, have to work, you know, a lot more in the narrative. It's like, you really can't cut anything out. Like everything has to work. And, and so it's definitely the most difficult form of filmmaking. And that certainly attracts us. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like a, it, when shooting a narrative piece is unlike anything else. It just feels super fulfilling. And then as I was saying from a business side, first of all, no one gets into making movies for money but, so we're certainly in the minority with that opinion yeah. yeah but um i think what landon is referring to is while it may be more difficult to make money in, yeah it, it with a feature film than music videos um with music videos the success of a project doesn't necessarily change anything except for maybe getting more music videos yeah um but the success of something like a feature film where you own stake and, you know, it sells, um, the cap is significantly higher. And so um, we were just thinking to ourselves, we're putting every ounce of, of what we have into these projects. And um, it would be great if, if things do go incredible that there's a large return on that. Yeah, like you said, I think feature films are the natural progression. I mean... You know, what's more impactful, uh, you know, what kind of, um, when I think of like artistic mediums, you know, what are the things that are, everyone's talking about? Um, and for me, that's movies. Mm -hmm. um, so naturally I want to do the most powerful and significant form of art. Um, and I think that it will be the most fulfilling because it's such a huge undertaking of a of a project that's like typically like a year process um but yeah i'm just really excited um, to get into that um it's just a world of unknown um it could we have like a, a plan in our heads but i just know it's going to get absolutely demolished, demolished <laughs> yeah. the second we step our foot in the door yeah. but i'm just excited uh for is this the ride. your first one that you're doing it's definitely our first feature film but first narrative piece no no okay. it's not our first okay. Narrative piece. I was gonna say that would be wild. No, that, that would be yeah, yeah. <laughs> unprecedented. That but you know, I think here's something that you really have to consider is, you know, when someone says they're making, what does everyone think? They think, oh, you know, okay, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, no, they think, okay, good luck with that, man, <laughs> yeah. because it's so competitive, right? They say it's, yeah. it's so competitive. You know, basically have zero chance. You know, mm -hmm. that's basically the the thought around it, but. The reality is there does have to be a the next generation of these movie creators, of these filmmakers. People um, get old. Someone has to die. do it. Someone has to do it. And, and so the question is, um, you know, what do we have to be to, to be the most fit for that replacement? Yeah. And I'm looking at us compared to a lot of people that are going to school to study cinematography to study filmmaking and um to not be arrogant but because of how much work we've done our work does look a lot better than yeah. a lot of them a lot of these people that you know are trying to do the same thing yeah. and so the question is if anyone is going to be that new generation i don't necessarily see why we can't be a part of it yeah and that's our thought going into it is, is someone has to do it so why not why not us why not and i think you have to have the level of confidence anyway you know if you're going to do yeah. anything yeah you know. just dream big you know dream big <laughs> shoot for the moon shoot for the stars <laughs> or or oh no shoot for the stars hit the moon yeah. yeah 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 exactly now nowadays it's shoot for the stars hit 
Mars, we'll, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Though. I, I think I mean, you're right. And, and like, obviously when it comes to like arrogance and pride, like, you know, I'm always someone that's checking my heart on those things as well. But, you know, you do have to have confidence and you have to have belief in yourself and God and the ability to hone your skills in a certain way. And, you know, we've developed systems in our culture and in our world that, um, that people follow to get to certain goals. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to use those systems to get there. It may be a little more of a like rigid uh, path to get there, but it's still possible. So it's, it's not like there are clear roadblocks where you're like, well, you didn't go to school, so you're not going to be a filmmaker, unfortunately. We live in a world where it's possible, and it's a beautiful thing. 100%. I actually feel like we're at a time where the more unorthodox you are, with the stronger you are in, in when it comes to these facets. Yeah, you're stretching like more muscles, you know, instead of just, um, you know, going bicep curls and leg day. You, you know, you're, you're hitting lats, you're hitting all these other muscles. I'm not a bodybuilder, but to use that as an example, um, and yeah, <laughs> the pecs. um, but you're, you're stretching and using these muscles and, you know, as you continue to grow, you're going to be able to facilitate in so many different situations, um, that maybe others wouldn't be, yeah. you know, not all, but maybe some others. So that's really cool. Um, getting to the end of this, let's, uh, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Speaking to like the younger filmmakers, people that are on their GoPros, people that are learning how to use a Ronin, what's, what's a piece of advice to them on, you know, how they can continue to grow and even make money from what they're doing, uh, and the skills that they have. I would say, you know, the thing that really changed my perspective on filmmaking, um, you know, when, when I originally, you know, had the idea, oh, I want to, maybe I could be like a filmmaker for you know, a career. Um, I kind of automatically dismissed it because it wasn't like, you know, a traditional, you know, form of, of career. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess I was telling my mom about it and she basically said, you don't need to worry about, you know, the business side or anything like that, how you're gonna make money. All, all you have to do is put out the best work you can and the cream always rises to the top. And so our philosophy in reality has just been just trying to be the cream to the best of our ability and just relying on everything else to to take us there. And, and that's kind of what has happened so far. So my advice for the young filmmakers would be, A, don't think that you know, acknowledge the fact that whatever your goal is, someone has to be the one to do that goal. Mm -hmm. And so often we tell ourselves, oh, the odds are so infinitely small that it's basically zero, but it's not zero. And so why not be that person? Um, and then also, of course, put out the best work you can and people will notice and it'll make a difference. Yeah. And I'd say also just find a team, find a partner, someone to do it with. Um, there's so many times on set where one of us is like completely stressed out and like wants to sit in a corner and die. And the other person is like able to pick up the slack and it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's crucial. No, it's, it's cool you mentioned that because a big thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast is community and whether that's a partner that you're doing something with, or that's a group of people that you rely on for support. Um, you know, it, it's so important to have community and even, you know, as believers too, in our walks with God, it's like even more important to have community and, and to push and pull and um, pray with each other and like get through hard times, celebrate good times and ultimately just like yeah. point each other back to the Lord and what he's done. Because without that, like we're nothing anyway. So, yeah, I'm really glad you you mentioned that. Um, God, it's super cool to you've popped on and, and talked it's been really productive and uh, amazing to hear like more of your story and more of where you've come from and um and kind of like what you've done um other than like the the feature film what do you see being next any specific like goals that you have um i'd say the feature is like the main one it's just so massive it kind of blocks everything else out 
<laughs> but after after the future, you know, we probably want to find representation um, for music videos, commercials. I love to do a little of everything. Um, Continue to scale and grow. Yeah, I think yeah. every medium has its own pros, um, and I just kind of want to do it all and be able to always stretch my muscles in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely want to scale more. Um, yeah, the future film is definitely a a big uh, thing on the horizon, um, along with just scaling alterate and um, doing other kinds of projects that you know push us um, but I was gonna say something else what were you gonna say I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I got way too comfortable we're, th- we're thinking <laughs> we're thinking long-term life goals after we're done like one or two movies have kids yeah oh, that second <laughs> second stage nope. is what yeah. I was gonna say is go know, to Mars eventually. Is who am I to say what will happen after the first feature film? Because to be honest, it might be a second feature film, depending on what happens. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Yeah. You hopefully. Know, that's, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. Is, yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for coming on and, and just like sharing your story. Y'all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we we love to feel like maybe we're sharing some wisdom from the things we've learned that maybe we could have used when we were coming up. So hopefully, we achieved that. Most definitely. I mean, there's always people in front of you and behind you in the journey. And so it's always good to like sit, reflect, talk, um, share. And, you know, this is what that the podcast is. Um, you know, it's it's to be able to kind of like share those stories and and hopefully like inspire some people, um, cause other people to reflect on where they've been. And yeah, it's it's cool to get to sit down and talk. 100%. I feel like the more you feel like, you know, the less you likely know and so definitely you know when coming on a podcast it's like oh you do i you know do we really feel like we have the the knowledge to share but you know we share what we can um and hopefully it helps other people Mm -hmm. of of course uh not to keep this going but one of the things that i talked about like a while back with a friend of mine was that like what's cool in like the creative industry is no matter where you're at you can always like cater to someone there. There's always like a market for like your level of skill. You just have to kind of like find that. And it's really cool because, you know, as you're growing your skill, you get to make money and you get to grow. And, you know, I look back on some of the projects I did a while back and it's just like, to me, I'm like, ah, I sucked. But those people believed in me and like I gave them a product that they loved even at that level, you know, and that's just something special. So. I wonder if it ever stops sucking, like when you look back. Yeah, right. people have told me that Honestly, it hasn't there yet. was a point that it stopped sucking, but I still look at it and I'm like, it could be a lot better. Yeah, I so. still feel like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you having us on, dude. Of course, this was really fun. Yeah, I really believe so in this podcast. I think it's going to be really cool.